and welcome everyone to today's news tonight, the weeknight news show where we're joined by special guests and our lovely patrons to discuss the day's gaming news. I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and I'm joined as always by my good friends and GVG co-founders, Steve Bowling and Ash Polson, along with our very special guest, Kevin the Golden Bolt. We just had a Ratchet and Clank state of play. I needed to bring this Ratchet and Clank guy on, so welcome, Kevin. How you doing? Good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. How you guys doing today? Doing good. Yeah. Doing great. Good. It's a Better Friday. You're here, man. Awesome. Oh, it's thank a Friday. You. Yeah. And we got Ratchet and Clank to talk about. It's a good. Oh day. yeah. Yeah. We Derek and I will go for like an hour and a half about just. Ratchet. Oh, we could easily <laughs> just fill up this entire show nice. gushing over Ratchet and Clank. I need to. I need to watch some uh, your Going Commando retrospective, and you just actually put out a, uh, a analysis of. Uh, yes, I, I took inspiration from the the analysis machine on that one uh, heavily. Um, and I went through just everything I saw. There were some really cool little secrets hidden behind. A lot of Twitter caught everything. Like uh, one of the weapons cut from the first game seems to be in this game, which is like oh. just going all the way back 20 years. They finally brought it back, which is really cool. That is pretty cool. I I, I noticed that a lot. That, that's something I learned a while ago is I can't look at Twitter while I'm trying to work on an analysis, <laughs> analysis yes. because yes. you just everybody's pointing it out and putting it right there. I was like, well. What do I have to show? Yeah. <laughs> so you're always trying to find the ways that you can kind of connect it. But I, I definitely want to check those out because it's it's nice to have a fellow Ratchet and Clank fan because they sell well, but nobody ever talks about them, it seems. Yeah, it's I've always noticed that. I, I spoke to a couple creators way back in the past and they were like, yeah, there's not really like Ratchet and Clank people on YouTube. They just don't get views for some reason. And uh, I've been trying to do what I can to help that with like these long uh, feature-length retrospectives that I've made of the first two games and going through the rest of the series. Um, and it's been a lot of fun, um, which is really cool. I was cool. looking at a comparison between A Rift Apart and the Ratchet & Clank movie, and I was shocked to like actually realize that I think the game, in some ways, looks better than the movie, yeah. which is crazy. It's, it's incredible, because that only came out five years ago. Like, that was that was like a... Not, it wasn't a full-budget movie, but it was it had a bigger budget than the game did, the PS4 game. And to see Rift Apart now is just uh, absolutely amazing to see like where Insomniacs jumped in just a few years from the PS4 game, which looked amazing, to Spider-Man, which looked even more amazing, to being like one of the top dogs at the PlayStation brand again. It's really cool to see. Mm-hmm. I've not actually seen uh, the Ratchet and Clank movie. I never heard That's good fine. things. And... It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed I didn't the hear things about it. <laughs> It's I I saw it in theaters. I was one of five people in the theater. Two of them were my friends, and then it was a father and son. Uh, that was the day it came out. We were the first show. Oof. It it um, yeah. it was okay. I mean, it wasn't offensive. It was just kind of there. So it was cool that I got to see it on a big screen. Yeah, I mean, I like that they brought in all the voice actors for it. That's a nice yeah. touch. But... Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, you know, it, it before it came out, it seemed like it was set to be one of the better video game movies. And then I was I wanted to see it. And then it came out and I heard such bad things. I was like, all right, well, that's too bad. But I but I absolutely do agree that in general, especially, you know, mainly as a gaming franchise, Ratchet and Clank deserves better and more consistent love. Obviously, Rift Apart looks amazing, but I do wish people talked about the series more yeah. because it's just so consistently great. And I think this might be the point at which we start to see that because this is the first game since Tools of Destruction back on the PS3 where they're getting like that big production feel. Uh, Tools of Destruction had the longest development of any Ratchet and Clank right. game, uh, which had it had 12 months of pre-production and 12 months of production. So that game was effectively made in a year. Uh, this game, I think, is the first game in the series to have more than a year of production ever. Wow. Even the PS4 game had 10 wow. months. Wow. Yeah. 
I, I saw uh, it. We mentioned it's only 10 months. It's amazing what they can do in such a short amount of time because it always looks brilliant. But that's the, that's the thing that always impressed me playing through the PS2 versions because the quality of Ratchet and Clank just kept improving with each game release. Yeah. It's like, how are they doing this? It's only been a year. And they're putting resistance out on alternating years every other year for the PS3 games. Right. Like, they made, they've made more games per year than any studio besides like Rare overall. And like obviously a few shovelware studios, I'm sure. But right, I it's it's amazing. Insomniac wasn't bought by Sony way before this. Yeah, right. I I, and uh, I was already impressed enough by what we saw during the state of play yesterday. But I did go back and watch it in you know the full 4K on on my TV last night. And my God, you guys, this I I mean this it I I hate to say it feels it looks next gen because that's such a tired thing to say, (laughs) but it. This, this really though, gives me next gen vibes the, in a way that I haven't. I don't think I've really seen yet from from a PS5 game. Like Astro's Playroom feels next gen because of the incredible stuff they do with the DualSense, and I assume they're doing the same thing. You know, much the same thing with Ratchet. But just the visuals, the cityscape. When you see that cityscape and you see all the cars flying, and it's so alive, it's incredible looking. See, I would I would counter that. I think. A lot of a handful of games actually look and feel next gen. I would say Miles mm-hmm. Morales, which is another Insomniac game, yeah. the Spider-Man remake, which is kind of a twofer, right? <laughs> um, yeah, you kind of yeah, just uh, Returnal. I think looks. I, I don't think Returnal well, looks Returnal, next gen. Yeah. I think it feels next gen. Uh, it is very clearly like a 1080p upscaled game, so that it hits that constant 4K 60 FPS. But I would say Ratchet and Clank is, uh, well, specifically Rift Apart, is the first game that kind of takes all those various pieces of what a next-gen game is and puts them all together in something that feels like a big-budget, triple-A, truly next-gen experience. Uh, You know, it it is a cut above even even Miles Morales. Like, the visual presentation in Rift Apart is ridiculous. And The fur textures on Ratchet are just unbelievable. There was a tweet I saw that was retweeted by um, one of the the tech leads at Insomniac, which was that uh, the eyes of Ratchet have, like, ray tracing from the glove weapon. Yes! It's it's absurd. It's the smallest things, and it's just... I I don't know how they would pull this off even with like you know three years of development on this hardware, it's just absurd. Yeah, it it is. It's like a wizard. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it is it is yeah. really crazy the level of performance they're able to draw out of the hardware platforms they're on. Honestly, I would liken at this point Insomniac, in terms of their their level of hardware expertise, to Nintendo EAD in terms of just how much they're able to draw out of the platform they work with. I mean, yeah. Go, going commando and up your arsenal on ps2 had massive amounts of enemies on screen for that for that era and never a hint of slowdown and like that- and those games uh the i don't know if you guys have played the ps3 ports uh like the hd collection the reason the hd collection struggled as much as it did was because insomniac hacked every possible thing they could to make those games work they would specifically code uh like uh, there are certain elements like um, in Ratchet 3 partway through the game every enemy turns into a robot and they went back and made every previous enemy in old levels a robot they had to put like that specific part of the game's code at the innermost part of the disc so the game would load in time and mind you oh, Sony wow. didn't let them have load screens like they had the the space masking of loading screens while Ratchet and Clank are flying through space mm. but Sony's directive during the early PS2 days was their own games cannot have load screens so they had to mask all of it they had to load everything in real time it's it's amazing yeah, it's unreal. 
<laughs> you it just really, can't believe it. It really is. I can't wait. I mean, the, the fact that that, that and uh, FF7 Remake Integrator coming out right next to each <laughs> yeah. other. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, June's I mean, such an amazing month for the, PS5 the owners. that we get, and, and I hate to sound like, you know, I'm just dropping my not a fanboy facade for a minute. Um, <laughs> we get Ratchet and Clank. We get Integrate. And if things stay true to their schedule, we get fucking Forbidden West this year, too. That is and God right. of War, supposedly. Yeah, I don't think God I, of War is happening. I am fully in the God of War 2022 camp at this yeah. point. But I mean, Same. even with yeah. without God of War, what a lineup. What, what yeah, a lineup right. of incredible games. If, if they could pull off Horizon for November, I this, think Sony's in good shape. This will I think be... there's a chance Horizon could slip. I do think I, there's a I, chance. I agree. I agree. I, I would be surprised because that's marketed as a PS4 game as well. So that's true too. Unless they drop the true. PS4 version, if there's enough of a sales incentive to do that, um, and based on the PS5 sales so far, there might be depending on how many are. They, you know, they might want to look hard hands. at Ratchet sales because there is no yeah. PS4 version of Ratchet. Yeah, like that's that's the first one where you can tell it's ground up PS5, whereas. You, Horizon, I'm sure we'll be able to tell, is a like a Miles Morales situation where it's you know a cross-gen hybrid game. Mm. Um, but I'm sure that PS5 version is going to look just incredible because Horizon still looks amazing today. Yeah, it I've does. I've played it on PC very recently, and I was blown away by how good that game looks. Uh, it yeah. does not show its age at all. So Horizon Forbidden West is going to be cool. We're we're kind of in in PlayStation's version of uh, Nintendo's 2017 here, just. A, a ton of really great games in the pipeline. And even Nintendo has some solid stuff. Like I, I, I played some new Pokemon snap and it's been a lot of fun. Like it's a, I really, <laughs> really want to get it. I, I told myself that I could not order it digitally. I have to get it physically. Cause I know my kids are going to want to play it. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, that game's going to travel around <clears throat> this house and I don't want to buy multiple copies. So I'm going to do that. But I also want to go out and pick up the printer so I can print the little pictures. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if spend I like feel... 200 bucks for no reason is what I'm saying. I'm... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like based on what you're saying, Steve, I'm not sure if I'm feeling like FOMO or if I'm feeling relieved because I just have never cared about Pokemon snap the way so many others have. And I just feel nothing for it. I want to play it at some point. Sure. But I just there's... don't feel the need to go out and grab it. And there's something yeah. exciting about finding that next Pokemon and like, Oh, I gotta sure. get a picture of that. And they, 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 they found some smart ways to expand it. Not perfect ways, but good ways. I, it I, looks but... beautiful. Like visually, like seeing the Pokemon in their natural habitat. I'm not sure if they've ever looked better. Like it, the, just the visuals, yeah. it, it's looking great. Yeah. And I've heard it's a meaty game too. Like I've heard, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours, maybe more depending on, you know, if you catch I mean, them all. Uh, according to Sarah B, he uh, doing a crit path. He be- beat it in eight hours. I got awesome. got the credits in eight hours. Did not see all the Pokemon, all that. Uh, I saw a tweet today from John Cartwright uh, that he completed his photo decks. Uh, uh, and that's only just getting a one picture, uh, at least one picture of every Pokemon in about 33 hours. Wow. So if you want it, wow. And, there's, and there's one, two, three, and four star pictures for every Pokemon in that Jeez. photo decks. So if you want to get everything you just play a gameplay. <laughs> I, I could be wrong, but I could have sworn that Sarah B said he completed his photo decks, but didn't get, he only got one star pictures or something like that in eight hours. I, I don't know. I have to look at his tweets. Again. I could that's be wrong about that, but uh, that. either way, that's, that's a lot of gameplay. Cause I remember Pokemon snap, like the original being, no, being a, pretty, a pretty short hours. and sweet experience. Yeah. 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 I, I really I mean, liked I've... it. But I, I'm with you, Ash. I'm kind of like, I wasn't a huge fan of it. And this is not a game that I'm, insanely hyped for but also it's uh i 
I see my friends playing it, and I'm like, God, I really want to try that. Also, every screenshot yeah. I've seen is just gorgeous, and I, I do love Pokemon. Yeah. And if Snorlax is in it, I have to buy it. So I haven't <laughs> seen Snorlax yet. Don't tell I'm me sure that. I'm just going to buy it on blind faith. Nice. Speaking of uh, gorgeous visuals, we have a few people in the chat reminding us uh, of our PS5 hype that Kina is also coming this year. Right. Yeah, and, yes. And we cannot August. overlook Kina. It looks, yeah, yeah August. <clears throat> I cannot wait for that yeah. game. Kina is when? Yeah. August? I, I, I believe so, August. yeah. yeah. I think August. that's what it was delayed to, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. No More Heroes um, 3 will be in the way, so y'all have yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to claim Kina. I'm trying to claim Kina, so there we go. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't I mean, know if you I, guys read. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, you go. Um, to jump back to Pokemon Snap, I don't know if you guys have had the chance to read the um it, the Askawada book that came out recently. Not yet. But, I want to. Not yet. Um, I want to though. There's a there's a comment from Miyamoto. Uh, there's a couple pages where he talks about um that Pokemon Snap was one of the few games that he and Iwata worked together on hand in hand, like properly. And I was reading that, knowing that new Pokemon Snap is a thing, and it almost made me wonder, like. Do you think maybe he got a little nostalgic while like writing some words about his friend that that maybe if this was in production for a little while that maybe eventually he decided to like kind of like say hey guys what if like because mm. we know like Pokemon Snap has been highly demanded for years and no one jumped on it and then the moment we finally get a game announced and almost out that book comes out and we hear Miyamoto saying he has fond memories of working on Pokemon Snap with Iwata in the weird uh, you know style that they never had before because that was the only game i think that they're both credited on properly as like designers slash developer and hmm. it was just really it was really hmm. heartwarming and something. made me want to play could, snap uh, new snap more i could see that i could see you know i mean if if i had a way to create a tribute to a longtime friend you know i would absolutely go for it in my case it would be a youtube video but <laughs> um you know i could definitely see see you know in the process of making this book that kind of inspiring someone to uh to you know jump into development on something like this but it, it's always hard to tell with nintendo they're the yeah. most opaque yeah. company of yeah. all all of the yeah, big three. For sure. <laughs> yeah yeah real, real quick before we get too much further though uh i do do need to mention that uh today's episode is sponsored by <laughs> straight lace and the soul device we got involved i was like i got i got kevin here i'm like i want to jump right in ratchet and click i am so sorry straight lace that's my fault um you know how these conversations go. That said, uh, the Soul Device is a puzzle platformer uh, built on the concept of making your own platforms to solve puzzles and explore the environment, consuming the player's HP in the process. There are many rooms to explore and several abilities for the player to unlock. And as of today or when we first got this copy, the Soul Device is now free on Steam for anyone to pick up. If you decide to play it, the developer Straight Lace would love to hear any honest feedback you have as a sequel is currently in development. And Straight Lace wants to approve upon anything the first game may falter in. Straight Lace also wants to thank those who supported the game up till now, as your support has helped reach it to this point. However, in addition to that, um, <clears throat> on Saturday, May 1st, or today, for if you're watching the VOD, at 2 p.m., Straight Lace will be hosting a charity live stream on his YouTube channel to support the charity Simple Needs Georgia. During the stream, Straight Lace will be rapidly developing a game from scratch, but the game he develops will be decided on by the viewers. The game's genre, gameplay, characters, goals, and more will all be determined by chat either during the stream or in polls prior to Straight Lace's community 
or in polls prior on Straight Laces community page. Milestone rewards include cameos from Straight Laces cats and sister, a dog reveal, the creation of custom music for the game, and if the community manages to raise as much money as Straight Lace dumped into gacha games, Straight Lace will return to making content for the game <laughs> Dragalia Lost. The stream requires participation to work, though, so straight, so he hopes to see you on May 1st. Um, so, yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, support that wonderful charity and check out some game development process. That might be kind of eye-opening. Yeah. Um, real quick, I do and have I, one thing I, that ties into game development. Well, real quick before even vote that, oh, yeah, straight sure. in the chat. I'm sorry. Uh, he says, as of now, it's looking like it might be a dating sim. So, <laughs> all right. Oh, them. that's really exciting. Well, I mean, you've got your work cut out for you, man. There's a Colonel Sanders dating sim out there already. So, yeah, that's right. That's so, my you know, that's plan. <laughs> so, there's, there's a lot yeah. of opportunities out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, real quick, just a little tiny piece of housekeeping. Um, I know we mentioned it previously on the show. Uh, Tris. Our former Game Explained colleague reached out to me today to let me know uh, that they were able to raise enough money to recover, uh, you know, to move into a new home. So oh, they, wanted, they wanted to extend Fantastic their thanks to the community. News. There's still some more ongoing efforts. Uh, so stay tuned to Triss's Twitter. One of the things they specifically asked that we uh, mention is that if you want to show your support for them in a different way, uh, they recently held a Paperverse Direct, which included a bunch of games from the Paper Mario community. Uh, including hmm. one that Triss themselves is working on. Uh, you can find out more information at twitter.com slash paperverse if you'd like to give them some support. Uh, they they uploaded their direct video at about uh, 2.30 p.m. today, so you can just go watch the VOD version any old time. But uh, go ahead, show them your support. You know, we, we are a big yeah. fans of Triss here. Mm -hmm. Triss is a friend of the channel, and uh, anything we could do to support them, we will. Uh, and this is an easy way. Just check out their game. Yeah, and I, I, Derek I, I, and I have been lucky enough to demo their game. It packs exactly. east a couple of times. It's called Seahorse Saka, and you should definitely check it out because Derek and I can both vouch for the fact that it's coming it's along been, very well. It's been cool to see it improve each year that we got. The yeah, play. for sure. That's awesome. Nice. So, yeah, definitely check all that out. But uh, I suppose we should probably get to the news uh, as much as we could probably just news, out whatever. Right now, it'd be so easy. yeah, what. Um, Let's go ahead and bring up our first topic. So a GDC survey has revealed some developer thoughts on COVID delays and digital storefront revenue splits, uh, revealing, you know, some interesting stuff here. And that includes 44% uh, said their project got delayed because of COVID. And this is of 3000 plus developers being asked. 3% of the uh, think that the 3070 revenue split on digital storefronts is justified. That sounds about right. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, PS5 is the most popular concept console, console to develop for, while PC is the most popular platform. And 35% uh, report working from home increased their product productivity. 32% uh, didn't notice a change, and another 32% said their creativity or productivity has decreased. Um, also, 51% uh, of the devs also say yes to unionization, 14% no, and 24% maybe. So uh, it's, it's interesting there. Uh, how um, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, some of these go out, you got to hear from the developers sort of what they're working on. And yeah, yeah. I'm a little surprised <clears throat> that that 44% figure isn't higher. I kind of, I kind of figure that, that a higher percentage of, of devs project would have been delayed due to COVID. And on top of that, 
it's I just find it interesting, not surprising necessarily, but interesting that there's almost an even split down the middle of devs who say working from home in, increased their productivity versus those who said working from home decreased it's it. It's 35 versus of, 32. It's kind of different for everybody. The, the, it the, is. The, yeah, it's a very a personal thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've I've been working from home since the pandemic started, and I can tell you that I get a lot more done. Uh being here because I I personally find people walking up to me and talking to me while I'm trying to work to be very distracting. They'll pull me away from whatever I'm doing and have me focus on something else. And for me, that is a huge hindrance. Like I hate that. <laughs> um, you know, whereas if I don't, I can choose. It's it's way easier when you're not in an office environment and people can't just walk up and talk to you to say, oh, I'm just not going to answer that I am and I'm going to finish what I'm doing now and I'll come back to it later. Um, <laughs> I, I feel less guilty about being like, hey, I'm busy. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I um I think the 44%, I noticed that Jason Schreier also noted that it was 44% so far. So I yeah. think that might be part of it. Um, I'm sure we're going to see like this year is the year that COVID delays are really going to be more noticeable. Last year, mm -hmm. a lot of these games were already almost done. So the delays were maybe a couple months just to, you know, get the rest of polish or, you know, final QA or anything done. Uh, I think this year, like God of War, I don't know why they even announced that for 2021. They should have just that, that's a lie. It's not coming out this year. There's yeah, no way. Ambitious. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I, I think that you'll see a lot of the big budget titles. Like, I'm sure Breath of the Wild too. Um, I don't. We don't know that it would have been this year anyway. But if it was, I'd be surprised if it still was, just by virtue of of how much I, work would have to be left. Yeah, especially with, with Nintendo struggling more than most. It feels. I'm yeah. I'm torn on that. I'm I'm torn on that for two reasons. Uh, the first is that the the rumblings of a switch pro coming out this year are getting louder. And I feel like you don't launch a switch pro without a game of the caliber of breath of the wild too. I think Nintendo probably attributes a lot of the Switch's early momentum to the original breath of the wild. And rightfully so that game was amazing. Uh, so I, I think that they would want to, or at least be trying very, very hard to, like maybe maybe with blinders on at this point, trying to get <laughs> that game out the door so that it can launch with new hardware. Um, yeah. I would say basically if the Switch Pro is A, real, because let's face it, we don't know it's real until Nintendo tells us it is, uh, despite what firmware and millions of people are saying. If it is real and it is coming out in 2021, I feel like Breath of the Wild 2 is there with it on day one. If, if for whatever reason the Switch Pro does not release this year, then Breath of the Wild 2 doesn't either. I feel like those two are they from a marketing perspective linked. linked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my theory. Oh, I'm sorry. Ash, go mm -hmm. No, no, please go ahead. Um, my theory was that the Switch Pro, if it were going to launch, would launch with Pokemon Legends um, because Ooh. that game seems like it's going to be kind of a mess either way. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it, but that game, it's got a lot of work left. And the fact that they were confident enough to show gameplay before Breath of the Wild 2 makes me think that that's the kind of game where that will sell a Switch Pro because it's Pokemon. And then mm. you would feasibly, let's say, second half of 2022, release Breath of the Wild 2 uh, as like, this is like, this is the real one. Um, but it's also possible we saw Halo get delayed out of the console's launch window. So it, I think anything is currently possible in this weird world we're currently uh, in and hopefully on the cusp of starting to come out of. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And and while I do agree that, that Breath of the Wild 2 does seem to be intrinsically linked to the Switch Pro's release, I just can't get, I can't shake the feeling that it's just Breath of the Wild 2 isn't ready 
for this year. I, either way, I, and that may it may be that one affects the other in the opposite way too, such that if Breath of the Wild two isn't ready this year, then Nintendo pushes the Switch Pro to next year, yeah. and everything we've heard See, about it releasing this year maybe just shifts a little bit. But without yeah. without getting too far into this tangent, I'm totally with you on that, Ash. I think that they would push the console mm-hmm. release, and I hate to say this because I love Pokemon. I love Pokemon as a series. I'm not like a super fan, but I think that Nintendo markets it way more towards kids than they need to i think that mm, you know yeah. i mean we didn't get a special pokemon edition regular dockable switch when when sword and shield came out we got a light which is considered by many to be the kid version of the switch because you know it's le- it's harder to break and it's cheaper um I'm- there might be a plan to that. Get the kids involved because obviously each generation's a f- some kids' first Pokemon game, and True. as we've seen for most of us, you get kid you get kids into Pokemon at a young age, and well, they're hooked for life. They're the adults buying it twenty years later, and they're still there. Yeah. See, I feel Plus bad. The Switch Light is also. I'm sorry, I keep cutting. Oh no, off no, today. please go ahead, <laughs> go please, ahead. I talk stuff. all yeah. the time on this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. Um, I was going to say the Switch Light is also like a big target towards Japan. So I think True. having a, a targeted Pokemon model Switch Lite makes a lot of sense considering I think the Switch Lite has outsold the Switch in Japan, if I'm not wrong. I think already it has. That wow. surprised me. That wouldn't I, surprise me either. I, I, could, I could be wrong. I could, could be pulling that out of places, but I thought I, thought I read that recently. I, I'm, I'm not sure on that. I, I believe you, though. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me given, you know, Nintendo or <laughs> Nintendo, Japan, Nintendo, they're the same thing. Um, yeah. it, it wouldn't surprise me given that... Uh, in Japan, the DS and and other portable consoles yeah. that were strictly portable were insanely popular. So I could definitely see a a lighter, easier to carry version of the Switch doing better numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also interesting here uh, that three percent think the thirty uh, seventy revenue split on digital storefronts is justified. I can't believe we even got the three percent. Uh, the uh, because it kind of ties into our next news story. Yes. Let's go ahead and bring that up. All right. Uh, Halo Inf- the, the, the bulk of this is that Halo Infinite will support crossplay and progression between the uh, PC and Xbox. However, attached to this is that starting on August 1st, the dev share on the Microsoft Store will increase from 70% to 88% in the dev's favor. And... Hell yeah. That feels like a big deal. Like, way more than... Like, uh, cool. Um, Halo Infinite, they're saying it's going to go have for the premier PC experience, going to have ultra-wide and super-ultra-wide support, have triple keybinds, all this, you know, fancy stuff for PC games. Um, But, man, that's that dev share increase. That's that's a good way to court some devs to your your, uh, system. Yeah, I wonder what Sony's revenue split is, or Nintendo's for that matter. I I don't know that, but I thought they were Same. all seventy thirty. Um, I thought they were all pretty uniform or close to uniform. The last I that's recall, what that I was remember reading somewhere. I don't yeah. I, I don't have any backup for that. I don't yeah I, like don't quote me on that, but I do recall at least hearing or reading somewhere over the years that they're pretty similar to one another. Yeah, my mm. first thought with this was beyond that's awesome. Was um, I wonder if this has anything to do with game pass because a lot of microsoft's income now is coming from game pass as far as the xbox brand goes um with i think they they just broke what 25 million users or something like that like there was some incredible number i saw recently which is like 15 to 25 dollars a month they're getting uh from everybody in that group 
So I almost wonder if they're seeing the market shift more towards Game Pass than buying games. So they're kind of throwing a bone to get people to buy games, first off, because more developers will make games, but also because it's not going to hurt their bottom line that much, more of a business perspective. True. It, it's a. I don't think there's a way to categorize this as a as a bad move. I think it's a really no. shrewd maneuver because, uh, you know, offering developers a higher cut of revenue is going to, you know, as you guys implied, attract more folks to the console to, from a development perspective. Getting more games on the Xbox platform makes more games potentially available for Game Pass. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and I, I don't pretend to understand the magic of how our Game Pass dollars get into the pockets of the developers that put the games on there. I don't know how that works. I, I've, <laughs> I've heard from a few folks on the other side of the industry that it does, though, and that it does so very well. Um, I just wish I understood it because to me it's all just some kind of magical algorithm that decides how much box. money you get yeah like I, I i don't know if it's like microsoft just pays them a flat fee based on how many people you know or is it x number of people downloaded and spent x number of hours playing the game therefore you get x amount of their subscription dollars it all seems very weird but i i think this is another move that positions microsoft i think microsoft is playing a very long game here they are they are mm -hmm. focusing less on enrichment of the Series <clears throat> X, which you can totally tell because there's no original games for it yet that <laughs> that make use of the hardware. Like Sony's right. out here producing AAA traditional console experiences, and Microsoft is kind of slowly acquiring studios and building up a library. And I I would say it in two generations we'll see that Xbox is way more of a service than a platform, and. Yeah. Man, if we get to the day where I can just buy a PlayStation and a Nintendo console and play Xbox games, you know, via some other them. means on those yeah, consoles, right. I'll be I'll be pleased. I I'm still I'm one of those people, one of those diehard conspiracy theorists that every time I see Phil Spencer on a video and he's got a switch on one of his shelves in the background, I'm like, come on, Game Pass for Switch, just come on, do it. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a theory yeah. I've had for uh, a little while now. My crazy theory with Microsoft was that uh, this was even last gen once they really once in 2018, the Xbox division was spun into its own brand. Uh, my theory was that they, like, if they go crazy, there's a hypothetical there where they could purchase EA. There were talks of that uh, back in 2019 or so. They purchase EA. They now have the exclusive rights to Madden and FIFA, the two biggest things for the casual gamer. If you then as Microsoft require xbox live as a service for people to play on playstation 5 or switch you're strong arming your main competition which is at that point sony because now they have to let your service on their platform and that's the one thing they've never wanted yep. um and it would be hmm. really fascinating to see like i don't think that's going to happen now because now microsoft seems interested more in things like discord that fell through and other stuff here and there but that's been like my long con theory the entire time is that they're going to buy one of these massive studios like ea get all those rights to Star Wars and to, to Madden and to all the sports games and uh, find a way to argue that Sony either doesn't get those games because they won't let Xbox Live on that system or something crazy to just have that hmm. extra pull. Hmm. Yeah. They're, they're definitely playing, as, as Steve has said, uh, the long game, but also just a different game, a completely yeah. different game than the one PlayStation and Nintendo are playing, focusing so heavily on their actual hardware, on their, mm -hmm. on their console-centric their console ecosystems, right? 
Uh, Xbox is taking a completely different approach with things like Game Pass and planting long-term seeds, as as we've just been talking about. But going back to the original story, there is really no way that you, I don't think you could frame this as as negative in any possible way. For, For players who don't really dig into the weeds too much of how their games are made, they're getting cool. They're getting uh, cross play and 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 PC and Xbox cross progression in Halo Infinite. But for people who do really dig in and care about the devs behind these games, the dev share ratcheting up to ratcheting up to eighty eight percent is fantastic news for them as well. It's it's just good news all around. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny that it, Series X just does not seem like you'd think they let Series X be that have that one major exclusive with a halo infinite, but you have a decent PC and you're, you're good to play it. Uh, it's all right. it comes down to, and they, I, I should also mention they're promising to improve their client for game pass on PC, promising improved install, uh, reliability and faster download speeds over the coming months, but more details are coming soon on that. So, um, there just seems to be, I mean, and I guess until, until game Pass is a lot better on PC, that, that might be a reason, but for the most part, there doesn't seem to be a lot of reason to pick up a Series X. Uh, I mean, I feel like Game Pass alone is is a good enough I mean, reason. Yeah, but, but there there is Game Pass working pretty well on PC. I think I think if you have the right gear, like Ash and I have, you know, these hundred twenty hertz displays behind us. Um, oh well, his is in another room. But you get the point. Right. <laughs> we spent a, a stupid <laughs> amount of money on a very expensive TV. Um, I, I feel like the improvements that you get in older Xbox and Xbox 360 and even Xbox One games uh, definitely make the Series X a cool machine to have. I agree that there's not that oh shit, wow moment that uh, we've seen on, on a few PS5 games now because Microsoft took a more conservative approach with their hardware. But um, I, I would say for, you know, if you if you're if you don't own an Xbox One, I would absolutely recommend you skip it and get at least a Series S. It's two ninety nine, yeah. great Game Pass machine, and you can play. You can still get all the cool benefits of you know super fast load times, just not at four K. And for a lot of people, I think that's the way to go. If I ever, ever, ever uh, end up buying a second Xbox, it'll be an S instead of an X, and it'll go downstairs so my kids can play all my Game Pass stuff that I have. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, yeah, you throw for- on top of that. Um, cloud gaming you can play yes. banjo kazooie on your phone now like right even the games that aren't on pc like that they, they've just been hitting home runs constantly and it's yeah. just awesome to see the the other well, the and- other thing is you can use your own xbox as an x cloud server so you can play even over the yeah. internet you can play your own xbox when you're away from home which is really really cool and i wish uh nintendo and sony would i mean nintendo not so much i could just take the switch with me but i wish my ps5 i wish i could just open up an app on my phone and play my ps5 on the road yeah right mm-hmm. or an app on my uh, switch if you're listening microsoft <laughs> uh shellshock prime with a good reminder in the chat though not everyone games on pc and i mentioned that because i'm the poster child for that i don't play pc games at all or as little as i can i do much prefer the console experience so for me I have an Xbox One S. Would I like to upgrade to an Xbox Series S one day? Maybe. Um, just for the Game Pass experience, for sure. But, you know, I, I, I do like that Microsoft offers that flexibility, right? Do you need an Xbox Series X if you have a really high-end PC to play a lot of the games that are available on both? No, you don't. But for those of us who don't play on PC, an Xbox does make sense. I just wish there were a few more games on it exclusive that I wanted to play, like there are on PlayStation platforms. But I am certainly open to the idea of, up, of, of 
of upgrading my Xbox One S at some point. The problem is I haven't even turned it on in like a few years, I don't think. A couple of years. <laughs> wow. wow. That's a mood. That's a mood. And, and it, it's just because I don't have a whole lot that I want to play on that I can't already play on either PS5, PS4, or Switch. The, you know, the, I'm just, I'm not into Halo. I'm not into Gears of War. I love Forza, but I don't know if Forza by itself is enough for me. The The final word I want to have on this topic is that uh, I, I feel like this, this kind of highlights... I, I feel like we're all roughly the same age here <laughs> in the same age group, at least. And I feel like this, I, I feel like Microsoft has hit on probably what the future of gaming will be at some point. I think that everyone's going to go with this model sooner or later. And and I would guess probably later. Um, but I definitely feel that disconnect between wanting things the way they are, because that's what I have grown up with. I definitely prefer Sony's approach it is the traditional approach that I am a huge fan of because it's all I've known for my whole life. Sony is doing what console manufacturers have done since the beginning. And Microsoft is doing this new weird thing that I like, but not nearly as much as I like just classic AAA games on super powerful hardware that impress the hell out of me. And I feel like my kids, though, when they grow up, they're they're going to, you know, this is going to be the way they play games by and large. Yeah. Well, and plus when we're in a future that is increasingly digital, even if you have a physical game, like we, we already know the CMOS battery issues with the PS3 and 4 that I, I am confident will be fixed one day before their end of life. Um, but the fact is, once you get to like the PS4 generation, eventually physical games, if you can't download the patches, they're they're nothing at a certain point. So it's it's smart for Microsoft to go this way and just lean into it because that's just the way it's going to be, whether we like it or not. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you make an excellent point. I remember Red Dead Redemption 2 had like a 58 gigabyte patch on day one. <laughs> it was yeah. it was almost the size of the <laughs> yep. entire game. So and then Warzone takes up your whole hard drive by itself if you have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Ridiculous. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the next bit of news as uh, I think people are ready to riot. <laughs> oh, nice. I like that was, it. That was well that was done. Was hot. Should have so, flicked your hair back on that one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Riot, shut, Riot has shut down a League of Legends fan game slash legacy server server called Chrono Shift after its creators say the company tried to extort them. Now uh, they're working again. It's a legacy server that would be uh, bring League of Legends back to how it was originally, uh, kind of like the unofficial servers that proceeded and continued in the wake of uh, WoW Classic. This comes from Kotaku, by the way, so I'm going to be uh, mentioning them, uh, kind of uh, shortening it a few times. But basically, <laughs> what's that? Sorry, I just laughed about shortening Kotaku a few times. I mean, they they have their whole long thing, so I'm just trying to pick out the uh, <laughs> uh, thing here. But Either way, uh, Riot said that it has sent a cease and desist request to developers of ChronoShift after one of them posted an exchange with the Riot employee to to Reddit earlier this week. The post showed a back and forth over Discord during which a member of Riot's security department named Zed wrote to to a ChronoShift developer that Riot's legal team isn't super thrilled about your project, unfortunately, and is looking for a way to come to a mutually acceptable end to it. A few lines later, uh, this conversation... Uh, this Zed took it in a bizarre direction, saying uh, that their team had archives that, of the chat that channels the Chrono Shift team. Uh, chat channels the Chrono Shift 
Chrono Shift's team, excuse me, tried to delete and says, uh, you've obviously put a lot of work into Chrono, uh, Chrono Shift, but I assure you that the Chrono Break is coming. Hell, <laughs> I, I really like the way they put it there, I or the way Zed put it there, just because it makes me pine for Chrono Break. But you know, right? Um, basically, they said, "Give me what I'm looking for, and we won't sue. Refuse, and we will." That's like a shame what happened to your knees situation wow. there. <laughs> and Chrono Shift developer said they've uh, never like tried to make the project anything other than free because they've never asked for a donation. They were paying everything out of expenses in their own pockets. Uh, it's just not something they've done. And um, Ryan said they're basically disappointed with the tenor of the conversation took, took place, but, you know, sort of saying hands off on that. And um, basically just demanding it. In response, this story was updated at 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern uh, today. A member of the Chrono Shift development responded saying that uh, it's unlikely the server will be uh, returning after speaking with their legal counsel. Uh, they went to express disappointment because, well, how did League of Legends begin? It was a it was a mod. It was a it was a product of fan works and mods. And he said there were so many better ways to handle this. And the project put so much effort into avoiding doing wrong by Riot as much as you can while creating an emulation, especially since most of Riot's products and game modes are based on mods and the community. Imagine if Blizzard preventing modding of StarCraft or WarCraft 3. So many great maps and games would have never existed, including League of Legends. Riot stood on the shoulders of giants, climbed a ladder they were holding to the top, then pulled the ladder up from beneath them and said, I climbed this ladder first, therefore the ladder ladder is mine so basically uh kind of a crappy situation all around from riot but riot's never really shown yeah. themselves to be other than crappy recently so. yeah i was gonna say aren't isn't it just yeah exactly a bunch of dude bros that treat people like shit i'm not i'm not really you know they I, treat women like shit from you yeah. know based on yeah reports prior what you know prior to now but I mean, yeah, as a few people in our chat are pointing out riot is a problematic at best company and there's certainly you know, you can't defend their practices at the same time. It's unfortunate because I do believe that the developers of Chrono Shift have done their due diligence in, mm. in going, you know, their best to not run afoul of, of any of Riot's legal rights here. And it doesn't matter. But the, the, the straight truth, unfortunately, is that legally it doesn't matter. Even if Riot are being assholes about this, even if they are morally in the wrong, legally they're not even though we wish they were. I, I do believe these legacy servers should be able to exist, especially because they're not trying to make a profit. Um, but that's just not the way the, the letter of the law goes in these things. You know, prevented yeah. them from, from doing their thing to make the MOBA. Yeah. Uh, my, my only thought is when do you think we're going to see a league classic option or separate game or uh, server? Because they're, they're that's probably the reason that they took interest in it whatsoever, I would think, See, is yeah. that they're thinking about doing a WoW classic, but for League. Yeah, I was going to say, at be. least at least with WoW, didn't they incorporate the folks that were working on the vanilla WoW server into the WoW classic project? I think so. I don't know I if in, think... like, in a paid capacity, but I think so. Yeah, I mean, regardless, they still let them do what they were doing. I mean, even if it did become a commercial product, which not the best way, but certainly better by far than what we're seeing here. Yeah, I mean, um, again, yeah. according to this article, the, those unofficial servers are still continuing, so... Uh, Joseph Reckon in the chat. 
Joseph Rudkin brings up brings up a very important point that I agree with, saying if a law is morally repugnant, you have the obligation to break it. And I agree. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, well, that's the law, so that's what they should do. But you also have a moral obligation to yourself not to get sued, right? To yourself yeah. and your family. And that's all I'm talking about here. Obviously, yes, I, I, I don't think that the law is the law no matter what. And, you know, you shouldn't question that. But as the laws currently stand, Riot does have the right to do what they're doing. And I'm sure the, the developer of Chrono Shift doesn't want to get sued to, you know, hell and back either, which is all I'm saying. But, yeah, I think this just sucks for the Chrono Shift devs personally. Yeah. yeah. Real quick, I, I want to point this out just because we haven't read an Azran pun yet today. Um, <laughs> so he, he says, Derek, to that Riot joke, I only have one response. LOL. Which <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, well done, sir. That's yeah. Dang. That's really good. That is that is an A plus pun. I, I he also says that, is that how LOL became such a commodity. <laughs> man, you're just on fire two every two. day, man. Yeah. Um, Azran, don't miss. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, not really too much else to say about this. It's just one of those like, well, riot going to riot, and it's dumb. But I've never played League of Legends. I tried it once and I was like, well, I'm getting yelled at for not knowing what I'm doing. Bye. It's so <laughs> one of my best friends loves League of Legends and I and he tried to get me into it a few times. It's so not my thing. But I also watched him play a few games in the before times back when I would, you know, go visit, visit him in person. And he it was just people screaming at him the whole time and he would get so angry. And I'm just like, why? Why put yourself yep. through this? Why? It's I, not uh, worth it. Your quality of life, your mental health. Why put yourself through this nonsense? I yeah. I learned that League of Legends was a game I didn't want to play when I found out that uh, a person I had once uh, like beat the tar out of in Street Fighter 4 worked there. And normally, you know, like I've had a lot of matches where, where I've beat people. This guy like lost his shit threw his goddamn joystick across the room, screamed at oh. his wife, and kicked me what? out of his house. And I was like, oh, oh that's the kind of person what? they hire. No yeah. thanks. Oh, yeah. Jesus. That's... I'm, I'll give Oof. you a good transition here. Uh, the League community is just the worst that came from the Call of Duty online community back in the day. Uh, ra like, ratcheted up to 11. That is mm. well done. Well done. With that in mind, nice. let's move on to our next news story. So, the character designer for Crash 4 and Spyro Reignited Trilogy, Nicholas Cole, has implied on Twitter that Toys for Bob is now solely a Call of Duty support studio, specifically for Warzone. And what the hell? <laughs> this is, this is, this, no. This yeah. is not good. Basically, um, they, uh, and then Toys for Bob also said, uh, they've tweeted out today that Toys for Bob is proud to support development for season three of Call of Duty Warzone and look forward to more to come. And that's when Nicholas Cole said it's the end of an era, but I wish my former co-worker still that, uh, still with Toys for Bob all the best with what's ahead. Basically, it's been implied that there were some layoffs and Toys for Bob has run rolled into Call of Duty development, kind of mirroring what happened to, uh, what was it, uh, Vic Vicarious? All of them. Uh, yeah. yeah, every one yeah. of them at this point. Yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. Basically, anybody that had anything to do with Crash and Spyro coming back are now rolled into other development studios at Activision. So, thanks, Activision. <clears throat> yeah, this uh, this headline to me played off of one that I had seen a couple days ago, which was there was a leak that came out. Uh, it was a 4chan leak, so obviously, uh, grain of salt. 
that then got posted to Discord and got DMCA'd by Activision, so less of a grain of salt, that Sledgehammer's Call of Duty 2021 was canceled. Um, we haven't heard any confirmation of that, but then the following day, Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision Blizzard, took a pay cut of 50%, which he's never done before. Uh, and then we hear all of this about everyone working on Warzone, because Warzone is the only game we're getting this year, um, besides a rumor of Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer, maybe. Um, so to me, seeing all of these happen like rapid fire day after day makes me think that there might be validity to that issue that Sledgehammer's Call of Duty game was supposed to be out last year. We weren't supposed mm-hmm. to get Black Ops um, Cold War last year, but that game got delayed because it wasn't ready. So Black Ops got rushed up a year and then now it's canceled entirely. And Infinity Ward apparently, I'm guessing, doesn't have time to finish their game um, in, you know, uh, the next four months, effectively. So it's yeah. a really interesting uh, turn of events that to see all of these things coming out because we haven't had a year without Call of Duty since Call of Duty. Yeah, so and wow. point. apparently uh, this this is uh, it, this uh, Andy Robinson from uh, VGC was saying that um, he was told that virtually every studio at Activision is now working on Call of Duty Warzone and another uh, tweet the the Call of Duty news. I don't think it's official uh, or anything like that. It's Charlie Intel as they're, as they're at. Uh, but it's basically saying this now means Infinity Ward, Treyarch, Raven Software, Sledgehammer, Beanox, High Moon Studios, Toys for Bob, Activision Shanghai, and Demonware all, all now working on what Call of Duty. The fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, and of course it makes sense because money talks and, and Call of Duty is a money machine, but it's just, it, it, it's, it's a shame, uh, especially obviously for Crash and Spyro fans to be, you know, to be hearing this. From a business standpoint, I do get it, but it just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. And yeah. as someone who could not care less about Call of Duty, um, but would like to see Spyro return. I mean, at least Crash already got to, but I'd still like to see Spyro return someday right. in a new game. Yeah, not a Spyro four. What the right. hell? This yeah. just it's it sucks. <clears throat> but again, from from a bottom line standpoint, it's hard to a, a sale, right? From a business standpoint. Hmm. Yeah. Apparently Warzone's good, but uh, th- that's their uh th- is that their Fortnite like game? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah, their battle royale. I've I've heard good things, but uh I'm with you, Ash. I've played a few Call of Duties and I've even enjoyed a couple way back when. Same. Um, yeah. But it's not a series that, you know, I I care much for or I I follow to any it's a sports you know. title at this point. Like, all right, new game for this year, cool, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's the summer blockbuster that they release in October instead of summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I couldn't care less about it and I'm sad to see franchises I do care about on the chopping block to make room for dude bro shooty game you know 38 yeah. <laughs> Doritos yeah. edition right so I will, <laughs> I will say I did I really enjoy the original COD4 like the the OG Modern Warfare I had a lot of fun with multiplayer wise a lot of fun like yeah. I can definitely enjoy it and enjoy and appreciate these games in their own way but Right. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I did scroll up just to find this. Uh, Sci-Fi Lullabies in the chat had mentioned uh, that it's awful, but they don't think it means Toys R Us working on COD forever, which I agree with. I think this is yeah. probably a temporary mm. thing, especially yeah. if those rumors are true that we're not getting a Call of Duty this year and it's all hands on deck to get something out because their investors will be mad. And if their investors are mad, more people will get laid off. True, but it it, it, yeah. it does hurt the fact that they lost people in the first place. Like they, mm-hmm. the people were laid off. It's like, what does that mean? You know? Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. unfortunately, yeah. Crash Four did not sell that great. 
So, See, I, no. I had I had heard that initial report that it hadn't sold great, but that was a really weird comparison that was being made. So yeah. I had been waiting. Like they compared the physical only sales in the UK only during a pandemic, and oh. to the Crash Insane trilogy. So I I didn't really put much of a, a stock into that. Um, it had sounded like it did pretty well. Like maybe not insane trilogy numbers, but enough to have justified it's you know to make its money back and then a little bit especially with crash on the run now a thing i'm sure right. that helped subsidize a little bit of it if you will mm-hmm. sure you know there's one I'd be curious to know oh go ahead go ahead please oh, that was it i, I would be curious oh. to know what the actual sales figures are go for it steve there's there's one point that i always think of anytime call of duty comes up and this is the first time in tnt history we've talked about call of duty uh <laughs> hopefully it's one of the last but um one thing that i always feel a little bit sad about when i think of call of duty is the fact that dude bro my shit got fucked up so i have to shoot slash slice you too it's straight up dog time never came out like i i still want that game and i'm not fucking joking that's a real game that was going to come out (laughs) i was like what the hell did you just say right i what yeah Yeah, it's colloquially referred to as dude bro 2 there is no dude bro (laughs) 1 and it is the the name of the game its full title is actually dude bro my shit got fucked up so i have to shoot slash slice you too it's straight up dog time and uh they they even had john st john the voice of duke nukem tied to the project at one point and i really wanted to see this game come out and it was like a fan project that that ended up fizzling out and never releasing but it was born out of an old NeoGAF thread way back in the day where someone was talking about Call of Duty. And if okay. it helps, you could play Bulletstorm as Duke Nukem. It'd be pretty close. That's yeah, true. Yeah. I, I yeah. hear that I hear that you get extra points for uh crotch shots in that game. So yes, you do. That, that does capture the raw energy of uh, of <laughs> Dude Bro too. I uh <laughs> Activision's going a long way to make them uh, more hated than EA, so I'm sure EA's happy about that. But yeah. EA is also like the last military shooter I played and really enjoyed was Battlefield Bad Company 2. Like that had a good, a fun feel to it. And the oh, destructive man. engine in that was really cool. Like, well, I played a lot of multiplayer with friends in that game. I don't know why they never made a Bad Company 3 because I enjoyed the hell out of that game. I think it was a profit reason because I loved Bad Company 2 and then I was big into Battlefield 3. Uh, and I, I remember someone on one of the development teams that said, yeah, it just wouldn't make money. So they never did. But man, Bad Company was so incredible. It had actual personality. <laughs> yeah, it was so charming. I will say credit to EA. Um, now, I, I'm a little biased here. I play a lot of Apex Legends. But credit to EA. They've given Respawn just the checkbook. They said you can make whatever you want whenever you want at this point. Like They saw success in Apex, and that means that we're probably going to get Titanfall 3 eventually. Nice. Uh, and yeah. Titanfall 3 will be one of the best shooters ever made, I have no doubt. I, I've not played Titanfall 2, but it is free on Steam this weekend, I believe. And uh, it, it's definitely got a... Uh, I think it's getting seeing a bit of a resurgence. Yeah. I would say I highly recommend it for the campaign. The multiplayer, you're going to play only the experts at this point. So you'll have mm. fun, but but good luck. It's not. Yeah. It won't be pretty. Yeah, but, I remember hmm. Titanfall 1 making a big splash. And I really wanted to uh, play Titanfall 2. I... I I feel like I need like a full fledged single player campaign to really get me invested in those games. I'm not much of a multi focused guy. I do too. Yeah, two oh, has just... a full campaign. Oh yeah. wow! Oh. I 
I should yeah, give it a shot. <laughs> two's got story yeah. and lore that they're following through with Apex. Like, there's a whole thing. I mean, I don't really care about the lore when Apex is concerned because they wait six months to do it every season. But like, there's there's a really good campaign in Titanfall too. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Joseph Brecken in the chat says, "You know, Respawn made Apex without letting EA know, right?" Yeah, yeah. It, Respawn <laughs> doesn't care. I mean, those are the guys that, like, the the two heads of Respawn were the guys that made Medal of Honor and then Call of Duty. They are like right. the modern first person shooter kings. So they wow. can do whatever they want, and no one's going to stop them. <laughs> God damn! I love that kind of having that kind of power. Right. I, I'm with you though, Steve. I uh, I. I'm so bad at, at multiplayer shooters. Like I, I survive for maybe five seconds on average, and but but I have been known to you know borrow a, a COD game from a plan uh, from a friend, you know knock down the difficulty to the easiest setting and just you know blast through it and just enjoy the ridiculous power fantasy and just the you know Michael Bay it up for a night, right? Yeah, yeah. There's and, there's and value in that for sure. I think that's what made Bad Company Two uh, so much fun because that's a fun funny thing. We only played together with each other maybe once or twice, like online. Um, every other time was us just sitting on a couch together, passing the controller between matches. And there'd be like uh, do like tasks that you could do. Like you get this unlock uh, or this gun if you do like three knife kills in a match or 10 knife kills in a match or yeah. this type of snipe. And it's like, okay, we're all kind of decent at this type of thing. Let's try to unlock all this. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Nice. And I will say, if you're not great at shooters, I still recommend Titanfall 2 because they have that whole mechanic where there are bad AI players that are meant for you to get kills. It's not kill streaks, it's points. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, nice. they, they, it's meant for bad players and good players to be just as competent in the grand scheme. So, oh, I, I like I really, that. Okay. It's really cool. Nice. nice. I've heard great things about it. Yeah. Well, uh, let's go into our uh, next story. Uh, Steve was talking about uh, some sort of unreleased game. We got another one here. Uh, so the unreleased Super Nintendo game revival Nightmare Busters Rebirth has been announced for modern consoles. And I don't know if I know much about this one. I think, Ash, you grabbed this, correct? Yeah, I just thought it was so cool. I've never heard of this game personally, but this was a game that uh, was in development for the Super NES way back when, well, in 90, 1994. And it never came out. And so now it's been picked back up by Pix and Love Games and Aurora Game Studio. And they're, they're now giving it the, the proper release it never had. Uh, according to Gematsu, it's a 2D action title. Uh, it's a run and gun, uh, 2D run and gun title. Um, the story follows Flynn and Floyd, two nightmare hunting leprechaun brothers, through six varied and colorful environments in their journey to thwart the plans of the, of the diabolical tyrant. Uh, it's being developed under the watchful eye of some of the game's original creators, uh, and it's trying to make a point of keeping the foundations of the original game or the original work while enhancing you know, the game for 2021 with modern gameplay and current dev tools. They're entirely redoing the graphics, UI, and soundtrack. Uh, we've got traditional hand-drawn animation. They're tweaking the level design, gradual and readjusted difficulty. I'm not sure what gradual difficulty. Oh, I guess gradually increasing difficulty. Uh, oh, two player, two player mode, and uh, several new modes added. So, I don't know anything about this game, but I know I love two D run and gun games, and I just know I love Super Nintendo. And I thought it was kind of cool that we're getting a canceled Super NES game being properly developed in twenty twenty one. I'm yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Um, yeah. I like the idea of an SNES game that was never finished being released uh, on modern consoles. But it sounds to me like they're they're kind of taking a hatchet to it and redoing a lot of it, making it mm -hmm. less Maybe of a, a product. Yeah, I, I, I would mm -hmm. prefer if they just 
finished the parts that weren't done in line with the original design and released it the way it would have been released in 94, because I think that would be more of a novelty. This sounds more like they took the blueprint of a 94 game and sure. made and made something much more modern around it, I, which to me loses the one thing that would really get me into it in, in that, you know, it, a new SNES game in, in 2021 would be absolutely 100% my shit. But I feel mm-hmm. like this is something where they, they got their hands on an unfinished ROM and then decided to make something new out of it. And that, that to me does isn't as compelling. Sure. I'm almost curious what the museum mode that they list is going to be, because I almost wonder that could possibly be the original game. Yeah, see, now uh-huh. if it includes the original, right. then I'm... I'm definitely on board with that, but yeah, right. Yeah. I think conceptually I I like this, but yeah, as you said, Steve, it all comes down to what they actually do with it, you know, down to the, down to the tiniest details, right? Is it, does it have that DNA of the original game intact or are they just kind of going in their own direction with it? Which I agree with you is a lot less interesting, but on its face, I just love the concept of what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a cool idea. And the, just that from that one screenshot, the, idea almost seems like a little gunstar heroes ish to me especially with the character designs uh, yeah i get that. that i get a little bit of arrow the acrobat from one of the character designs it's yeah. it's definitely a, of that era of character design i think i, I, like, the and I like that about it that would sell yeah one way or the other yeah and, and that was mm-hmm. the thing i'm cautious about too is that it's in pre-production right now so i'm surprised they announced this so early this would have been a perfect yeah. game to announce it's like hey it's out next week i don't mm-hmm. know that they should have announced it maybe a year before it's even going to be out yeah that, that is also Agreed. weird because it'll fade from memory before yeah. it releases because it's not a kickstarter it's just a they, they have the budget apparently they have the funding like this is just a game they're working on and it's really weird to have announced it so soon yeah and I just, I just wonder how this came about. Like, I wonder how the rights discussions happened about, you know, hey, you know, there's this really obscure SNES game that was never released, and we want to do something with it today. Like, I just wonder how this all came about and how it all started. Yeah, that's a very valid question. I, I, I often wonder that because a lot of these companies fold, or you know, everybody involved with mm-hmm. these projects goes on to do other things. And the gaming industry is so incredibly volatile in terms of employment that I have to wonder, you know, people find this from like a folded up studio or something. Do they just find whoever worked on it last? <laughs> Say, well, hey, yeah, are you with um, with Tomba, uh, Tomba one and two? Nobody actually owns the rights to those games. Like really? you would think it was the team. Um, there was a team. I don't remember the name. It was something. It was like something like 12 monkeys or something like that. Uh they were able to license the rights somehow to publish them on PS3. But from what I understand, a buddy of mine looked into like the actual legal rights of the game here in America and nobody owns them. Not Sony. The developer hasn't existed since 2000. So not them, not the team that took over the port or or the the PS3 digital version. Um, Those games just exist and no one knows who actually would legally be able to say they own them. Hmm. Hmm. That's so weird. Yeah. Also, I am posting an SNES long play I found of uh, the original Nightmare Busters. Uh, apparently, there's I think a be- the beta of it was released. And oh, interesting. Uh, oh, so it's uh, done then, technically. It, it, yeah, it kind of has been. It's not like fully finished, but it looks like a beta version that it's gives you an idea of the yeah. gameplay. And yeah, this is actually if you go to um, 6:41 in the at the in the time frame, um, 
it's uh it, you can actually see the screenshot for that they just redone they that they redid and it's, it's yeah it looks like a, that type of game it might be fun interesting yeah wow. nice big sprites there for the snes interesting sure. i i definitely like looking at the at the screenshots like the work in progress screenshots they posted of the remake or remaster whatever you want to call it I I think they look great, but I could also see this going the way of like a Mighty Number no. Nine, where like the first ever concept screen screen screenshots they show yeah. end up looking nothing like the actual yeah. product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, it definitely feels like that. There's and that's a shame too because the original look of this is pretty solid. It actually is. I think this looks pretty neat. I'd I'd be down to check this out. I'm I'm gonna take a yeah. wait and see approach on this one. Yeah, <laughs> I've I been the, burned I before. I backed yeah, Mighty Number no. Nine. Cool. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I meant the original. Like I'm oh. watching the the, the uh, footage Derek posted. The original game looks like it could have been pretty cool, but yeah, who knows how this remake slash remaster is actually going to turn out? But yeah. the foundation mm-hmm. seems pretty compelling. Yeah, we'll see. Well, let's go ahead and uh, speaking of delayed games, or you know, they'll, they'll come eventually. Let's go ahead and put that up. All right, and Fall Guys for the Switch and Xbox has been delayed. They were previously slated for summer of the twenty of twenty twenty one, but both versions are getting crossplay despite those delays. So yeah, it's coming a little later, but uh, at least they're going to get crossplay. You can play, you know, Switch and Xbox players can play together, which uh, Sony does not like when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, and. I feel the same way about this now as I did when they first announced Fall Guys for Switch uh, and then later Xbox. I was like, man, summer, is Fall Guys still going to be relevant by then? And now I'm even more worried about that. I enjoy Fall Guys a lot, um, but I just don't know if it's too little too late. But cross-play is nice, so we'll see. I think the Switch could reinvigorate the game a little bit. Um, What I'm really curious about, though, is this has to, I imagine, indirectly confirm that the switch will have the full player count of what I think it, they've 60? already said it will. Oh, did they? I'm I think they already confirmed that it's going to be 60 players on Switch. Wow. Hmm. Oh, dear god. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine playing that in handheld mode. That would be <laughs> that would be yeah. unbearable. And that, that could maybe Too be free. only uh, yeah, I mean, Nintendo's website for Fall Guys, uh, the product page says a massively multiplayer party game with up to 60 players online. And that's on Nintendo's official product page. So Perhaps playing on, you know, handheld mode will lower that, or maybe we're just looking at a variable resolution. Uh, because I know what you're saying, Steve. Like, even on PS4, your PS4 Pro, which, which is what I was playing it on before I got my PS5, there's some FPS hits for sure when there's a lot of stuff going on on screen, and that's a PS4 Pro. So I'm with you. I wonder how they're going to get around that. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm with you in that my main concern is that Fall Guys will be a memory by the time uh it actually lands on these consoles and maybe this will mm-hmm. maybe this will give the game a shot a shot in the arm that it'll quite probably need by that point but yeah. i right. don't anticipate that it'll ever regain the height of its popularity i think that that right. ship has sailed at this point but it is still a really fun game i i last few times i picked it up and played it i've had a lot of fun with it and mm-hmm. I, I wish that there was something that could keep that hype going for me because there's nothing that really makes me go, holy shit, I need to play this game now like I did, you know, for the month or so following its release. 
Season yeah. four has been a lot of fun, but I'll be the first to admit that I well, season three and four they've done a great job. But I would yeah, I would not be still playing it if I didn't ha- play play it with friends, right? Straight up, I wouldn't be playing it by myself. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right about you know yeah, as we said, Fall Guys may have just lost a little bit too much of its relevance by the time this hits, but Switch may reinvigorate it. Although your comment about it being a memory just makes me think of Sephiroth being a Fall Guys fan and being like, <laughs> Fall Guys will never be a memory. And I like, I like, that's my headcanon. Sephiroth is a Fall Guys fan in my headcanon. Nice. <laughs> I, I know for my friend group, we all looked at Fall Guys as the kind of game where we would play it for like 20 minutes to warm up for the real game of the night. Uh-huh. Um, it was just the perfect, like, perfect storm of momentum and, and being on PS Plus at just the right time. And I'm sure yeah. everyone being home with COVID helped that game. Plus the, the streamer yeah. influence that it had on Twitch within that first week or two. Uh, it just was that perfect storm, but then they really struggled to keep up with updates and keep the game, to me personally at least, super interesting for more than a couple rounds at a time. So right. I, I don't know how it would be able to regain even a, a more than a fraction of its audience. Oh, just, yeah. and, then, and then Among Us hit, and that was that held momentum yeah. despite <laughs> and Among Us killed it. Yeah. Anything else? Like that one just yeah. blew it up. And Although I will say that Among Us. Yeah, I, I will say that Among Us seems to have lost a bit of its momentum too now, though. I don't hear about it as no, often as I used to. Yeah. I think that's sort of in the same vein that we don't really hear about Fortnite, but that's just because we're all Good point. adults. Yeah. Like, like Among Us is a kid's game. Like, it's not for kids, but it's a game that kids play right. the most at this point. That's so true. I think it's we're kind of getting aged out of it at this point. Sure, sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean... I'll say anecdotally, I never have any problem. Like when my friends and I play once a week, and we never have any fu- any problems getting matched up. It's not taking a long time, but of course, that's just anecdotally. And you can still have yeah. thousands and thousands of players, and and that still be fairly easy to get matched up. So yeah, yeah. Right, yeah well, let's I've, go ahead and move on. Oh, oh, I was just gonna say I've still not played Among Us at this point. I'm waiting for the PS5 version. But mm-hmm. there you go. We'll see. Speaking of PlayStation, I'm mad that I have to buy it now. <laughs> yeah, that's stupid exactly. skin. That is a wonderful skin. <laughs> All right. But yeah, speaking of PlayStation, let's go ahead and bring up our next topic. Uh, Future Publishing has officially retired the official UK PlayStation magazine, ending a 33-year stretch of official game publications. Uh, no reason was given for the change, but they're rebranding as Play, the new magazine for PlayStation gamers. So no longer official. Um it was it's kind of odd and i i i wanted to focus on this just because you know i had the u.s version of the official playstation magazine i love that thing because that's how i got demo discs that's why i got that magazine it's like man there's I got some decent coverage and some demo discs i'm happy now right now it's it's discovered a lot of playstation games that way but yeah uh, I, I mean, like the original magazine. I, I got a few magazines per month uh, back in the day, and OPM was always one that I looked forward to. Maybe not quite as much as something like uh, the latter days of Nintendo Power or of like EGM, but OPM was still a lot of fun. And uh, I, I just, I, well, there is some good news here, and that is that the rebrand is maintaining the same editorial team. So nobody's losing their jobs. But it is mm-hmm. still the end of an era in the sense that this is the last official. Uh, you know, print gaming magazine that's it's finally rebranding. And it's just, uh, as someone who grew up and just loved video game magazines back in the day, this is, it's, it's a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to say this, but, oh, I, I read OPM. I read Nintendo Power, but 
I never trusted either of them because they were a magazine officially associated with a brand. And I remember even as like a 14 year old reading them and being like, they're not going to say Mario's bad. There's a Nintendo magazine. They're not (laughs) going to say Final Fantasy seven sucks. This is PlayStation's magazine. (laughs) I was like, I'll I'll go read EGM and GamePro to find out what, what, you know, a more objective or or what a, you know, more balanced opinion is. I could feel a little, these were game pro i yeah. never got into oh no, right? no. game pro i but, felt like i could never and i hear you steve like i enjoy the content from an entertainment standpoint for the official magazines but yeah i even as a kid i could tell yeah like i was like oh, they're not going to say anything bad about these games yeah it was mostly yeah. the scoops because because they were affiliated they got all the, the oh yeah the sweet details that was what you got them for but aren't right, you right. glad that the the last standing gaming magazine more or less is owned by gamestop don't you just love that? <laughs> yeah, that, oh, right. that hurts. That's really? totally bi- that, that's not that's that hurts. It's unbiased, totally. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't pay that whatsoever. There's there's some interesting stats here. So, um, in the according to this uh, article, in the age before the, the um, internet, uh, OPM was the world's best selling magazine, peaking in 1999 with its 42nd issue, which sold 450 thousand uh, copies, uh, and. According to the uh, website, the the modern version of OPM has a print circulation of around twenty thousand. So yeah. there's been a bit of a dip for magazines. <laughs> it, it's I'm difficult. surprised it's twenty thousand for the UK only, like for yeah. a print run. That's honestly pretty high for a magazine. I feel nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say the you know the I think we all grew up you know kind of seeing the slow death of the video game magazine uh, as websites like n64.com became ign and you know gaming news sites started to spring up left and right and i remember kind of the transitional period where i no longer got my news from these magazines being dropped off in my mailbox every month i i used to you know as a kid and and a young teenager i would wait for a month in between you know getting game news and then i had this weird awkward period uh, where I would read IGN, and then by the time my magazine came, I was like, well, I read 90% of this stuff, and I would just skim <laughs> it for the exclusive things, yeah. and then yeah. those yeah. exclusives started disappearing, and I, I frankly stopped reading the magazines that were still coming. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, So it, it was kind of an interesting thing, and these days, I mean, I think I look at magazines more as a novelty. Um, I think that I don't really love Game Informer anymore. Um, I, I used to really enjoy their content. You know, back when Imran was there, I really enjoyed reading his stuff. Uh, I enjoyed the the exclusive features they got because of, frankly, their, their links to GameStop. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I still think they have some interesting exclusive content, but most of that stuff is made available on Twitter or online before yeah. the magazine even comes out now. Um, That's yeah. the thing. Is the advent of the internet just completely made made print magazines obsolete and that's definitely a necessary evolution that needed to happen that was just that was the natural way of things but i still i I gotta say there there's a certain quality to me a certain value that a really good video game magazine has and i do still miss those days even though i realize that you know things need yeah they need to be the way they are now and i want to say i think nintendo force does a pretty damn good job of of kind of 
reviving those days. Like their their magazine's very well produced, and it's mm-hmm. got you know just the, the the visual layouts of each feature and just the way it's written. It definitely brings me back to those days, and that it's pure nostalgia for me. And I admit that. Like it, it makes sense to have cutting you know news coming out on the internet, you know, on, on, on Twitter and Resetera and everything and get it immediately. The thing, but man, I just missed the days of kicking back, like going to the mailbox as a kid, opening it up. Oh shit. My new Nintendo power's here or my new EGM's here. And then taking a couple hours and kicking back and just reading, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I, Oh, go ahead, please. please. No, 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 you don't. No, I've, I've cut you off enough. You go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I wish that we had, um, that the idea of the digital magazine didn't really die out the way it did. Like when the iPad Mm -hmm. was a new thing for a brief period, we had a couple different gaming magazines that were available there and you could read through them. And instead of a screenshot there, you'd have a video and you could play the video while you're reading the article. I was like, this is cool. This is exactly what I want. And I get why they don't do it because it didn't really generate that much more in revenue than just, putting up a website yeah. and you know throwing that stuff up magazines require careful careful layout work and stuff like that that people yeah. just don't do a lot of because it's it doesn't add value but yeah i do miss it yeah and, and what yeah. i was going to say was a lot of the officially associated like branded um pushes i would say have gone to things like youtube we have playstation access and outside xbox both uk based interestingly enough um <laughs> that are like officially effectively licensed channels uh, about those, like those brands. So you have like those, those weekly little like listicles or what have you uh, that either give you a little bit of more detail about a game that maybe we wouldn't have known about uh, outside of them dropping, like here's this new thing about horizon forbidden West or whatever it might be. And I always thought that was an interesting evolution because I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those same staffers somehow made their way over to those separate, uh, entities as the industry has evolved over time yeah i agree with that uh a couple of people in the chat were reminding us and this plays into what exactly what you were saying steve that nintendo power much as i love them and miss them back in the day did give shadow the hedgehog an eight out of ten so (laughs) told you you know oh yeah told (laughs) you yeah well speaking of uh (laughs) interesting connections between companies and products Uh, Let's go ahead and move on to our final news story. So Oculus has begun selling a uh, Oculus 2 headset that doesn't require Facebook, though, despite losing the Facebook connection, it's an extra $500. Yeah. What the hell? Price of privacy. Hi, Facebook. Fuck you. Eat shit. I hate this. <laughs> this is the worst thing you could have done. Like, I hated you a lot before, but uh, apparently now I know I'm worth only 500 bucks to you. So, uh, right. yeah, go suck it. I, yeah. This is terrible. It's $500 of data that you're they're losing out on. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean... I guarantee you they ran they ran some type of calculation to determine the data they could harvest from us with one of these fucking things is worth just Mm five hundred bucks. And they're like, we'll just make back our investment on these idiots. That makes this thing Uh, like a like a eight hundred dollar headset. It puts it in competition with the Vive, with the with the Valve Index. This is objectively the worst headset at its price point. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not going to pay for the privilege of, of not having Facebook harvest my information. And Facebook sucks, as you said, Steve. Yeah. But, you know, I, yeah, I guess this is the price you pay for, for not just having your, you know, your privacy completely co-opted 
all your personal data completely co-opted by Facebook. But yeah, this is not worth it. Hell no. Yeah. And, and I, I will say, not this is not credit to Facebook. I want to make that very clear. That um, as PC Gamer notes here, the specs are actually pretty impressive for the Oculus Quest Two. For the 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 whole thing is only three hundred dollars if you care about Facebook stealing your data, um, which is incredibly <laughs> low. They're undercutting it intentionally so That's they can steal true. your data. Yep. So yeah. for three hundred bucks, that thing is incredible because the PSVR is still around one fifty two hundred dollars, and it's not even close to the quality um, of of this with. It's got uh, six gigs of RAM. It's got 64 gigabytes of internal storage, which uh, actually is pretty pretty good for VR games. Uh, it's got close to a... It's got, I mean, resolutions for, for VR are weird, but it's got 1832 by 1920 per eye display, and it comes with a controller, or two controllers. So that's really impressive as far as like VR tech goes for 300 bucks. Uh, it probably is an $800 machine, all things considered, uh, it's just that they know that they can sell it for cheaper and then get your data, which is probably worth more than $500, really. Yeah, yeah. so so, here, so here's the fun part, because I'm reading more of this article, and geez. Um, so it's not just uh, $800 for this other mod- model. There's also an annual fee of $180 oh, in a year after purchase, what? which covers Oculus's <laughs> business services and support um oh man what why and, would you ever yeah God. they actually have uh it, there's actually if you according to this article if you take a look at the supplemental oculus data policy you can find out what sort of data is being collected when you use the quest 2 uh things such as your physical dimension your hand size how big your play area is in the uh, using the oculus guardian system data on any content you create using quest 2 as well as you know your device id and ip address I mean, so, like, they want to know my physical size. <laughs> like, that that seems like the weirdest one of those. Like, we mm. now know that Steve is five foot nine inches tall. I'll give you that one for free, Internet. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's on my driver's I mean, license. I, I already wasn't going to ever even look at the Quest Two. Just, I mean, just yeah. because of its, you know, it, its association with Facebook. But this just makes me. Uh, ironically, they're like, "Oh, here's a non-Facebook version." Yeah, but the but the way you're giving it to us for five hundred more dollars and an annual fee just makes me even less interested. And it, the, <laughs> so, the thing I find incredible is that the annual fee costs almost as much as buying the Facebook connected version. Right? Uh-huh. Like yeah. it's an absurdly high annual fee. Yeah. The implication is that they're saying that that's for business use, but I have no idea what business use you have for a VR headset, except for VR cafes, which are only in malls, and malls are going to be dead anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, people have to make VR porn somehow. <laughs> Just, yeah, you right. don't want to log into Facebook for that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Steve has logged into X videos. Oh, God. <laughs> sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. Oh, no, God. Don't, no, don't share it. <laughs> one of our previous guests, I have to point this out, one of my favorite experiences was E3 2018. Uh, ben Bertoli, who was previously on the show, uh, we it was like E3's big, or I'm sorry, this is further back, like 2016. This was VR's coming out party at E3, and uh, there was a VR porn booth, and I had the distinct pleasure, because I wasn't going to do it. I was like, I'm not watching porn in public. That's uh-huh. just not a thing I'm doing, but he was like, I'm going for it, and he walks up to the totally empty booth, and I could not have orchestrated this myself. I he's While he is watching porn in the headset, 
just a throng of people show up. And so as soon as he takes off the headset, he realizes he's just been watching porn in front of like a gigantic crowd. <laughs> and the look oh on his God. face when he took off the headset and just saw like 50 people that weren't there before was priceless. Were they displaying <laughs> the screen as well outside of no. like the VR? Okay. Because no. that would be hilarious. If yeah. he got a, 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 an 80-inch screen of porn yeah. behind him and he takes it off. Oh, oh my <laughs> yeah. God. I mean, <laughs> also, what was he expecting, though, at the, at the same time? If you're, if no one's touching it and you're that one person, of course people are going are gonna to notice that. that mm -hmm. That's a good question. I remember asking him, I'm like, so how was it? And he's like, well, it was good. And until I took the headset off and realized <laughs> <laughs> I saw the crowd in front of me. Put that on the box. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. It was good until I took the headset off. That's a perfect back-of-box quote. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Oh, God. Well, with that, I think we've covered all the major headlines from today's news. But before we sign off, Kevin, where can we find you at? Um, sure. So you can find me on um, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube.com slash The Golden Bolt, um, where I upload uh, lengthy retrospectives on uh, different games, often featuring game development uh, facets, interviews with developers, that kind of thing. Currently, I'm going through the whole Ratchet and Clank franchise. So if you want to know more about Ratchet and Clank or you want to relive those memories, the first two videos are about an hour and a half each. So get some popcorn. But I, I think they'll be worth it. Um, but more importantly than plugs, thanks, you guys, for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it's been a pleasure having you here. Love to have you back on because this is. This I, is I have great. a feeling that you'll be back on the show sometime in June. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I, call I, me I crazy. would be happy to. Uh, sometime I would in June. gladly have uh, yeah. uh, Kevin back on for a post uh, Ratchet <laughs> discussion. I, I feel like this is the panel for like a Ratchet and Clank review discussion right here. Seven hour right. supercut. <laughs> and also, thank you for being our very distinguished special guest for our final episode of TNT Season 1. Of that's, course. A, that's really cool. So yeah. I think with that being said, we can actually reveal that come Monday, uh, no longer will uh, TNT be uh, patron exclusive to watch uh, live. We are that's, making it live for everybody. That's right. Yes. And uh, TNT is also coming to every podcast service, as Greg Miller would say, knock, knock, around the globe. <laughs> Every back episode uh, dating back to our launch it will, is, is going to be on every major podcast service. Um, and yeah, this is all part of a larger relaunch we're doing for our Patreon and adding a bunch of new cool tiers and stuff. So Derek will do the spiel himself, but certainly go check us out on Patreon if, we're, if you're looking forward to seeing our or interested in our new yeah, and improved we'll, we'll whole, tiers and perks and all that stuff starting on we'll Monday. Whole, yeah, we'll have a all, whole lineup of uh, stuff to check out on the Patreon uh, for all of our changes. But yes, the big the big thing is for uh, non-patrons is that now TNT will be today's news tonight and not yesterday's news this morning. So <laughs> yes, uh, it's, it's about time. <laughs> yes. But our so, live audience perk is, uh, is being maintained into season two. So even though, sh though the show is going live for everybody to watch, there is still going to be a patron exclusive live audience feed that we'll be interacting with specifically and exactly. not the YouTube chat. Yeah. So you, you want to get noticed. You want to have your comments in there. Live audience tier. Yeah. But uh, before we sign off, I also want to give a special thanks to our patrons at the producer tier. Uh, this show really wouldn't be possible without all of you. You make this happen. We can't, we can't appreciate our, all of our patrons uh, enough, but of course a massive thank you to our executive producers and above 
And that includes Jared Edinger, Brandon Bovia, Rob Arman X, Itiono Ben, Dan and Twistle, Dennis J, Z Patty, Hyrule Hermit, Sky Blue Flames, Adam O'Sullivan, It's ATM, Octopuppet, Richard Herrera, Michael Phone, Floating Mew, Echo Carol, Christopher, The D Pad, Vesmio, Waffle King, Nick Waterman, Kitty Kong Fax, Angel Martinez, Vedron Hotik, Mekalau, John, Joshua Hunter, Evernight Studio, Benny Yao, Alicia, Azran127, Ken Rulay09, Jake Pelka, Geller, Joseph Rutkin, Titus Malvolio, Charlie Bird, Geeky Griffin, Lucky Wonderfish, Top Dog23100, Young Ben Kenobi, uh, Douglas Chomics, Andrew Medeiros, RMM, Patrick Harrison, Becca, Rocks the Cat, Fizzy Wighoid, Flaming Highwayman, Sean Garrett, The Legend of Groose, Eddie B, Kai Ed, Kit Fisto, West Egg, Masterlinks, Sean Davis, Deneth, Jackson Jordan, Michael McCall, Matthew Wong, Ashish Joshi, Goron Amber, Straight Lace, Hoobie, Wolf X Blake and Moon Macarons, Kane, Captain Finlandia, 60 Minutes and 60 Seconds, The Game Orb, Dano, The Artist, Ravelox, Synchro Lord, Brainchild, Rosa Bowling. Hi, Mom. Kodar Peck, Scuff196, Skull Kid Tiger, AJB Cool, Jason Uloa, Jaden Buck, Phantom Project, Wheezy Penguin, Anthony Wilson Jr., Sakuragi, and Derek. Thank you all so, so much for all of your continued su- uh, support. And remember that you too could become a patron over at patreon.com slash gvgaming, where you can watch today's news tonight live for as little as $5 a month, or should I say, be part of the chat for as little as $5 a month. The official chat that's on the screen. It's changing. We're going to have to change up the script a bit. So keep that in mind. Thank you all so much for watching. And if you like this video, be sure to subscribe to Good Vibes Gaming for more good times like these. So until next time, good night and good vibes. See you for season two. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.